0: Welcome to Thinking with Dr. Barry Whitney. This podcast series is compiled from Dr. Whitney's university class entitled Justifying Beliefs. The thesis of this class is that we all hold beliefs, and no matter what they are or how deeply we adhere to them, we owe it to ourselves to apply rational testing of our beliefs in order to aim to justify them. This class takes us along that journey, perhaps for the first time or more deeply. For further insights and materials mentioned in this series, please refer to the resource page on Facebook entitled Thinking with Dr. Barry Whitney.
1: And by the way, biblical miracles, if if someone prophesied or predicted that something would occur and it didn't occur, Deuteronomy 18 says, put the person to death. Nobody messed around in the Old Testament. You're either speaking on behalf of God, and it's true, or you're put to death. If you can imagine the psychics today who are on the line getting about an 8%, which is a chance guess with their cold readings and warm readings and hot readings and all the tricks they play. Nostradamus and Edward Casey and Gene Dixon and all the famous mystics. They're not even close to 100% accuracy, like the Bible is. So, when we start talking about miracles, I'm gonna use it as an argument for God's existence, but bear in mind, if you have a naturalistic, scientific perspective, if that's your worldview, that nothing can happen unless science verifies it, it's not, it's not gonna, it's not gonna help. Um, I want to show you how science rules out miracles a priori, a nice little word that means it rules them out from the start. If you believe that everything has to be verified by the senses scientifically, that everything has to be repeatable, science has a rule that for anything to be accepted as a scientific truth, it has to be repeatable. Somebody in Sudbury could say, I've, I've discovered something, but other scientists around the world have to repeat the experiment and show by repeatability that it's accessible and that it, it has to be verified by, by colleagues and experiments and ruling out all kinds of things. Miracles aren't like that. And science has a prejudice against them, and you can see it happening in the average person uh, becoming an existentialist in this culture, um, I just found the stats this morning that I'll share with you on the uh, what the mainline Protestant church believes about miracles, and it's talking about their clergy, not about the people, but the people in charge of the mainline Protestant churches. How few of them, how horrible the stats are about their belief in miracles. We use the word like, it's a miracle I got here on time today. No, it isn't. It's a miracle I had this bridge hand of, 163 billion to one against this perfect hand. No, it's not a miracle. It's a miracle I won the lottery last week. That's not a miracle. Uh, this, this is just, uh, that can be explained. Natural causes. Miracles are something completely different. Uh, something that, that, uh, quite frankly, most religions don't need, but Christianity's based on them. Christianity is filled with miracles. And it's part of the testimony of its justification that we understand what it's saying or else it makes absolutely no sense. That's why I just, when I see these people, 44% of people being kind of nominal, notional Christians, these are the ones who just have bought into this scientific prejudice against anything happening except repeatable scientific laws. It's rigged. It's rigged against us. So we'll talk about miracles and then I want to just give you a brief little version of the miracle of prophecy. Because uh, if I'm trying to justify, this is just a test case, so far it's just been belief in God. Now we want to move into belief in miracles, belief in in prophecies. And then that gives me a way to say this is how Christians regard, Christian theologians anyway, regard their scripture as justifiable. It's trustworthy. We understand what a miracle is. We understand that Jesus fulfilled 300 plus prophecies. Some people say 371, others 345. Some are vague. Some are absolutely specific. Micah, way back a thousand years before Jesus says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. He's born in Bethlehem. David, writing about a thousand years before Psalm 22, talks about a crucifixion. He was crucified. There are 300 and plus of these predictions that Jesus himself fulfilled. You can say that these are just coincidences. I'll give you all the arguments that it was rigged. Uh, we've misunderstood. Uh, there were the wrong interpretations. They were written after the fact. All of these so-called refutations of Jesus fulfilling all these miracles just don't stand up. He did. He fulfilled the miracles is what it amounts to. if you look at the evidence and look at any possible argument against them. Now you can say, "What does that prove?" So there was a man who fulfilled all these miracles. It's trying to tell you something, probably. is the simple answer. Uh, it's never happened before, not to anyone. And, and, and the Bible itself is filled with miracles. like the, I'll give you the exact numbers in the Old Testament, and the New Testament. Now, this is important for Christian justification of belief because other religions don't, don't really need these things. And quite frankly, a miracle is a miracle is a miracle. Not so. Um, Buddha was born a white elephant. Interesting. Now, that sounds like a miracle. That story was written at least three or four hundred years after the fact. We know that it takes about a hundred years, takes about two generations for myth to start creeping into religion. It takes that long the original people have to be dead or they'd be refuting what was happening and when you get that's what happened in christianity we get the bible being written fairly early here's what happened and then when you get into the 200s, you start seeing the myth the gnostics and 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 uh uh, instead of jesus you know rising from the dead in a tomb you start getting myths that that the christians reject it but the modern culture loves of course because it just, the myths are just—you get like a thing like the Gospel of Peter, which there's no such thing. But this is where you know the, the cross comes out and speaks, you know, out of the tomb and hops out, and you can see that the myth started. Same thing happened in Islam. You, after Muhammad died, it took about hundred years before the sayings of Muhammad started coming out, and most Muslim scholars regard most of those as uh, as mythological. Rather as, I mean, they, they only take some of them as true. These are Muslim scholars, not me saying that. Myths start about a hundred years afterwards. Um, there's, the miracles I'm, I'm saying you can make are in the scriptures and they don't come a hundred years afterwards in the New Testament. They come from eyewitnesses and they would have been refuted. There's an argument there. The only thing holding us back is our prejudice against believing anything supernatural. I don't think this culture does it anymore. We're so um, new age and alternative spiritualities that a miracle shouldn't bother anybody, but you know, you can make a rather sophisticated argument that not only do atheism reject atheists reject miracles because there's no God, but pantheists Or monists don't really like miracles either. This new age, monism and pantheism doesn't like miracles because everything is God. To have a miracle, you have to have a world based on natural laws and a God outside those laws. You can't just have a world which is God. There's There's nothing miraculous about that. So you don't find claims of miracles in new age spiritualities and you certainly don't find them in atheistic science. But a religion like Christianity which is historical, based on scientific historical facts, claims that they exist. For what it's worth, Islam doesn't claim miracles other than the Quran and a, and a few predictions. Not all religions are as seeped in these things as as Christianity is. So uh, I know a lot of you are in a Christian background because this is still a Christian culture and uh, the way miracles are ridiculed and condemned is really an attack on the whole edifice of Christianity. If the miracles didn't happen, um, you have to, you have to, the whole thing starts crumbling. And before my eyes, I can see it happening in the last 60 years the Christian church has decided that we can't fight science. This is not not me, but this is the Christian liberal mainline church, including most academics who teach Christianity. They've decided that science doesn't like miracles. Science pretty much expresses the truth. We have a hard time explaining the virgin birth and the resurrection of Jesus and the healing miracles. Why don't we just give them up and say... It doesn't matter. This is the the new Christianity. This is why Christianity is declining in this culture. The new Christianity says, science doesn't like them. Academia doesn't like them. You sound like a madman. You walk into a university talking about miracles. It sounds much more sophisticated to walk in and say, what happened on Easter morning? Well, what happened was that, not that, as of course those traditional Christians said for the last 1800 years, that Jesus rose from the dead. What happened was that my faith, the disciples' faith, rose up from the despair. You know, it, it, this kind of existential feeling took over in our culture. And the mainline churches are in serious trouble now because it's basically faith in your faith. But if you don't believe there's any history behind it, if, if, if you really have an intellectual awareness that there's nothing that happened behind that faith, that it's just some kind of an existential feeling or a story that makes you feel good, you see what happens. I mean, these people start buying new age books and new spirituality books and become either either um, alternative spiritualities or none at all. Um, faith is, miracles are that important, um, to defend them. And then we're ready to look at the biggest miracle of Christianity, um, the resurrection miracle. Um, if that didn't happen, as Paul says, one of the early Christian writers, then it's all a farce. It's all, it's all meaningless. It's, that's what it's based on. And it's not just some feeling. It's an historical fact. So we want to look at miracles. Prophecies as miracles. The resurrection as miracles. And just see how Christians argue for their reality. And the method will be positive apologetics. Here are the evidence for it. And negative apologetics. Here are the criticisms of the criticisms you know, of the refutation. You can refute the criticisms. There's never been, by the way, a naturalistic explanation for Jesus rising from the dead that makes any sense. The body was stolen. He just swooned on the cross. There was somebody else that died in his place. Um, they, they went to the wrong tomb. Um, he just had an enlightenment experience and became a ghost. Um, the Roman soldiers took the body. On and on it goes, and then you look at these alternative explanations about why the tomb was empty and how to explain these appearances of the risen Jesus, and none of them make any kind of sense. Certainly, they're not convincing. Um, So what I'm saying is, negative apologetics is not a bad thing. It's a good thing for you to do on essays and a good thing for you to do when you're thinking. Remember the principle, right? You argue all you can for your belief. All the positive stuff. Here's why I believe what I believe. Blah, 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 blah. The tomb was empty in this case. There's all these changed disciples who weren't expecting this to happen and skeptical at first. Women found the thing, not men. So why would you? On and on. And then you have to, after you give the positive evidence for whatever you believe, you have to give the evidence against and you have to refute that evidence, and so there's a lot of refutation going on here. There's evidence for and evidence against. If you, if if a Christian wants to justify belief in the Scripture, the Christian Scripture, the Bible, this it kind of breaks down into four points. Um, you have to make sure that the texts are trustworthy, the words themselves, and that the people who wrote them are trustworthy. Eyewitness accounts, not fanatics. It looks complicated, but it's just a a couple of points about each one of these things. The number of texts, their dates, their trustworthiness of the authors, whether they've been corrupted, whether the translations are a problem. There's a myth theory that they were written later, and that can be refuted as nonsense. Um, There's really an absence of contradictions if you know how to uh, find the answers. They're not contradictory. Um, All of these nine or ten people who wrote the New Testament, for instance, are pretty consistent in what they say. There's archaeological evidence. There's evidence outside among the Romans and the Jews and the uh, early Christian writers. See, when you get people saying Jesus never even lived and then you find all these Romans talking about Jesus and the Jews who were the enemies of the Christians talking about it, you start wondering... Of course there's evidence. How can anybody say the man never lived? It's silly stuff. But they're out there and they're still selling books of chapters. If you believe in God, miracles are at least a possibility and probably a likelihood if you have a theistic perspective. If you don't believe in God, and that includes the new spirituality where there is no personal God with a separate world, but that's another story. Miracles then become a priori, without argument, impossible, unlikely. Uh, that's the war that goes on. Um, I told you the story about the deist Thomas Jefferson, third president of the United States, ripping all the miracles out of his Bible. You can still buy the Jefferson Bible, the little tiny slim volume on online. There's nothing left. Pulled them all up because he was offended by them because he was, you know, a believer in science. This is the tragedy that's going on in the Christian church. And my guess is this culture with its scientific presumptions and the academic environment which encourages science and, and uh anything I mean the fact that I'm the only one teaching this and with one other person teaching Christian history like this is this speaks volumes. That there's something wrong with this culture. Um, there's, there's, there's a prejudice against anything that smacks of, I mean, there's no courses in the New Age except the one I, I do. There's no courses in Christianity except Christian history, which is pretty benign. You just, this happened here, this happened there, this, like, there's no controversy in that. Like, this kind of course where we have to think and we judge and we differ, like, it, 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 it's missing. Uh, for good reason, because it's, there's just an overwhelming feeling against this kind of thing. It's robbing you and me of things that we should be talking about. Miracles are based on belief in God. Or else, like I'm saying, my first point before this stuff began is that it's not a miracle you got here today, right? A miracle is something, some extraordinary event that's caused by God. So if you don't believe in God, then obviously you don't believe in miracles. It's that Miracles are not coincidences. It's not a miracle you won the lottery or the bridge hand. They usually have some specific purpose. They promote a feeling of awe and wonder. These are just definitions. You can think of God sometimes operating not just through natural causes, But through, like through medical science and scientists and creativity of all kinds, we believe that God works, if you believe in God, through natural causes. But miracles are when God works through causes beyond the natural, supernatural causes. Um, they're not, they're not as common, obviously, as natural causes, and that's, and And they do depend on prior belief in God to accept anything as a miracle, so that's why science has such a problem accepting these things um The stats are just just unbelievable when you see what people say now about it. everybody believes in God, but they don't seem to understand what God does at least in Christianity, and other religions would take a beating too um here, let me give you an example. The famous argument against miracles is from David Hume, H-U-M-E. He set the tone in the 1700s, and I don't think we've differed all that much from him. It just here he is again. I, I can give you um, instead of the 20 20-point um, 20 version, there's a there's a four-point version of Hume. Hume says miracles are violations of the laws of nature, of natural laws. Number one. So he defined miracles as a violation of natural laws. Number two. A firm, a strong, if you like, uniform experience has established those laws. Our personal experience. Bodies don't rise from the dead. People don't walk on water. Um, our experience has established those natural laws. That's what he's saying. It, it, the natural laws are based on human experience. We determine what they are. We discover them. We don't make them up. We we discover them with experience. Number three is, because, uh, therefore, natural laws, he says, Miracles can't occur because natural laws, because, I'm trying to reword this, I've got 20 points, I'm trying to make it three. He's saying there is a universal testimony, therefore, against miracles occurring. Therefore, they don't occur. Our Like, you have never seen somebody rise from the dead. Neither have I. Our universal experience tells us what is possible and what isn't. And he's talking about science in general. So if anyone claims a miracle, this is the argument of science and philosophy and skepticism in general. If anyone claims a miracle, there is a uniform, almost unanimous, but not, a uniform weight of evidence against it. So he's trying to say miracles are incredible. They are, there's, there's a weight of empirical sense experience against miracles happening. What he's just done, quite frankly, is say that the only truth in the world, this is the comment here, the only truth in the world then is what's based on empirical experience. Miracles aren't based on empirical experience, or if they are, there's only a few. Oh, he says some nice things too. There's only a few people who claim these so-called miracles. And then he says, and of course, human beings love to embellish he wants to take a swipe at, uh, at, at at the ignorance that miracles occur in ignorant places among ignorant people that were pre-scientific or unacquainted with scientific facts. So he's saying, he's trying to show you that there's a weight of evidence against miracles and if anybody, if anybody claims a miracle, you can, chances are they're ignorant, untrustworthy, they're embellishing the facts, they're anti or pre-scientific and they shouldn't be trusted. That's a double whammy. One is that if anybody claims the miracle, there's a universal testimony against it, a weight of evidence against it, probably a trillion to one or more, and the people who claim the miracles, what an what a unbelievable slander, but the people who claim the miracles must be ignorant, they must embellish the facts, they must be in some pre-scientific mode but, and of course, he says they don't happen now. So the miracles from the Bible is what he's really attacking, saying these people must have been ignorant, pre-scientific, believe anything. That's the famous argument. There, there are other arguments which are almost as bad from science. These all can be refuted. You can see that based on that argument that miracles are violations of a natural law and the only way we know what a natural law is is based on our sense experience. What we've just done is what Hume is famous for. He made sense experience, along with Bacon and some other people, he made sense experience, the criterion for truth, the only criterion. You know, what he's just done is proved way too much, by the way. Um, A good example from Geisler, the guy that gave us that uh, apologetics document. Geisler says, if you have a tribe, let's say in the tropics, and somebody from the outside comes to this tribe and said, uh, you know that water that you have your canoe in? That water where I come turns into something hard that you can walk on. Um, It's like, according to Hume, the people in the tropics then shouldn't, shouldn't believe that this water could be solid because it's not part of their experience. Hume rules out almost Almost every historical event that you and I haven't experienced, but he rules out just simple things like like known truths that water does freeze in 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 colder climates. It's not just miracles that this thing seems to be ruling out, but 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 an awful lot of things. It's it's a bit of a stretch, but that's 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 how it happens. Now, if, from that perspective, that may be what's happening with miracles from the scientific perspective, where they don't see God, where they don't. Under, they don't believe in God, they rule that out. They rule out our testimony that there is a God. That's that's the analogy that guys I think, is trying to make. Other people have given us arguments against miracles too. There's a famous one that says, this is by a guy called McKinnon. I'm giving you the big names here because this is, this is almost a lost art of defending miracles in this culture. But when you see that, what Hume has just done is load the deck He's saying, don't believe anything unless there's there's more people on your side saying they they believe this than on your side saying you believe this. Since when is truth a majority vote? You know, like, and since when is truth based on sense experience? These assumptions are just killers. I mean, it rules out God and therefore God's miracles just based on the fact that all we do is trust the majority sense experience. Now, if the majority of people, quite frankly, said that miracles existed, that would would be something else. But the majority don't, so you can't use that one. McKinnon. Here's a very common argument I've heard from priests and ministers that just, it's unbelievable. Like, so many people believe this stuff. We've been brainwashed into... And and the minute you are brainwashed into thinking, you know, science may be right. Gee, I haven't seen a miracle lately. I'm not just sure what you're talking about. I know there's a God, but does God really do miracles anymore? And that's another argument that maybe God did in the past, but what are we really talking about? Um, McKinnon says, science is based on um, uh, regular natural laws, repeatable laws, and if anything, anything that happens violates those laws, some kind of an exception to those laws. That looks like a miracle has occurred, but, he says, what we need to do then is to change our understanding of natural law and to say that on occasion it's possible that someone could do such and such. And what they've basically done with this this is a big concession in science but in philosophy, but it doesn't help much. It's simply saying, natural laws are what's true. The, our basic experience, again, this is the whole foundation of naturalism. What we experience is true. If something happens that's an exception to our experience, we'd better change our understanding of the laws to include that exception. What they've just done is to say, that exception is not a miracle then. It's just a natural law that we didn't understand before. And given enough time, we'll understand all, all things and all natural laws. So what, th- this is a clever little device. It, it's, it, it's subtle. It's, it's, you can see the criticism perhaps without even pointing it out, but it's, 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 it's an argument <laughs> against miracles by saying if anything weird happens, it's just a law we don't understand. I'm sorry to say St. Augustine came close to that that theory, but it, that, that it, he said a lot more. But it, it kind of, he's to blame for that in a way. A lot of people think that way. What looks like a miracle can be explained by science eventually. There are whole TV programs. What's that one about the Bible called? Something about the Bible. Like, uh, it's on A&E or History Channel. I haven't seen it in a while, but like, is there a Noah's Ark? Or... Was Moses on the Exodus, was a really an Exodus, and then they proceed every week, every episode to give a naturalistic explanation of what supposedly happened. Like the manna from heaven that the people got, you know, the Jews got when they were in their forty years in the desert, you know, after they were slaves in Egypt and they were freed. The manna in heaven, according to this scientific, naturalistic explanation, was not a miracle, but in fact the east winds blew, or the Mediterranean winds blew, and all these poor little doves and pigeons just fell down dead to the earth. And the manna was simply these dead birds. And they have another one with the uh, walking through the Red Sea. No, it wasn't a miracle. What happened was is the, the winds blew, the waters, you know, in this little swamp which is called the Sea of Reeds. They might be right about this one, but, it, 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 you know, the way they try to naturalize miracles, it's almost like an art. Um, they they either make it a symbolic, mythological thing, or they or they or they give a naturalistic explanation. Like instead of the waters parting in the Red Sea, which sounds fantastic. Yes, I know, and I, I'm not here to defend everything that happened in the Old Testament. My my concern would be to take the New Testament seriously, though, when it talks about major doctrines like Jesus. Other stuff, it's just that's for specialists in Old Testament studies.
0: Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us for the next episode as the journey of justifying beliefs continues.